for each year you age, your velocity goes up about, I think it's about 1.2 miles per hour, right? Mm -hmm. And for each inch you grow, your velocity goes up 1.5 miles an hour. Your legs develop the power, your core transfers the power, and then your arm has to dissipate that power. That was a joke we had in the clubhouse all the time. Like Josh Becker would come in every day. You know, he'd have that Texas accent. He'd be like, my, why does my arm hurt every day? Hmm. So you could argue that a weighted ball program actually inhibits the development of strength. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. The Farm System is having an opening day t-shirt sale. Visit thesystem.farm, order yours today while supplies last. Use discount code SPRING18, all caps, for 20% off and free shipping at checkout. For all of our return listeners, we're happy to grow with you again. For all of our new guests, don't worry. Every vet was once a rookie. On today's episode, we sit down with Mike Reinold, co-founder and president of Champion Physical Therapy and Performance. Mike currently serves as a consultant for the Chicago Cubs after serving multiple years for the Boston Red Sox as the head athletic trainer and physical therapist. He was a member of the 2007 World Series Championship team. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad. Here's Mike Reinold. Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast. We're here with Mike Reinold, founder of Champion Physical Therapy and Performance. Mike, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to sit down and chat with us here at the Farm System. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks so much for for having me and. Um, you know, congrats on your podcast and trying to make a difference for, for baseball. I love it. So, you know, honored to be involved. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, let's just jump right into it. So how did your journey actually lead you to baseball? Uh, you know, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I've always been, you know, I've always been a big fan of baseball, just growing up, you know, playing baseball, obviously just even at the, you know, youth and high school level, nothing significant, but um, you know, at that level, but just being a fan of the game, I, I kind of always thought, you know, in high school, I, I was trying to figure out you now how can I, you know, combine like my, my passion for, you know, sports, but specifically baseball and kind of what I wanted to do in the, in the health field. And I, you know, I, I, you know, I went to school to become a physical therapist and, you know, that, you know, the entire time in school in my head, I, th- I always thought to myself, you know, I have to figure out a way to get into baseball and I have to figure out a way to, you know, work with baseball. So I always, I always tell the story when I was in physical therapy school, I would actually, I wouldn't go buy like my, like neurologic or pediatric books, like textbooks. I'd go study in the library and I'd use my book money and I'd go buy sports medicine and, and baseball injury books instead and, and, uh, and did that, that sort of thing. Cause I always kind of knew that's what I wanted to get, kind of get into. So, um, yeah, it was just, you know, something for me, I was always just, passionate about and said, you know, how, how do I combine the profession of, you know, sports medicine with, you know, my, my love and passion for the game of baseball. That's awesome. So Mike, you were mentored by the most prolific and acclaimed orthopedic surgeon in the world today, and that being Dr. James Andrews. 
How influential has that experience been and that continued friendship been uh, to your journey? Yeah, you know, it, all the guys down in, in Birmingham, Alabama, you know, I spent a good amount of time down there at the American Sports Medicine Institute or ASMI. And, you know, again, essentially what, what I did was this was this was back before the Internet, I guess. So, you know, I kind of had to figure out, like, you know, who are the best people for baseball sports medicine right now? And obviously, Dr. Andrews kind of, you know, the name was, you know, you know, probably the, the, no doubt the top of the line of, you know, who's the most influential people in baseball sports medicine. So I remember I actually reached out. I reached out to the American Sports Medicine Institute when I was in college. And um, I, I think I found like their phone number. I don't even remember how it was. This was like, you know, like mid 90s. So really before the Internet was really a thing. And I reached out and I called Dr. Glenn Fleissig's office. So Glenn Fleissig's, you know, other well-known biomechanist that, you know, has been very influential in the baseball world. And he actually answered the phone. <laughs> I thought that was like shocking. Like he actually answered the phone. So now some dumb college kid is literally stuttering his way through, you know, trying to talk to one of the, you know, smartest people in baseball, sports medicine. And, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I figured out and I, I went down there. I did, you know, I did, went down there to do like a research rotation with them and, you know, did took some time out of, you know, my semester in school to kind of go do that. And they were like, hey, do you, um, you know, when you graduate, do you want to come back down and work here? And I'm like, absolutely not. Right. I don't want to move to Alabama. Like I'm, I'm from Boston. I don't want to go to Alabama. Um, but they said, well, all right, well, how about, how about a fellowship program, um, where you come in with, you know, Dr. Andrews and Kevin Wilkes, a physical therapist, and, you know, you spend, you spend a year just, you know, doing this, this real comprehensive fellowship program. And I said, sure, I was, you know, definitely it's just going to be a year. And then I don't even know, six, seven years later, I was still there. So it just, it just turned into a great environment of so much learning and, and Dr. Andrews is, you know, him specifically is just one of the most special people in terms of sports medicine, just the, the, with the way he cares. It's not just his skill level, it's, it's the way he cares, it's his work ethic, it's how he treats people. Um, and, you know, those are some of the things that I think are really challenging to learn. And, you know, I'll be honest, I, I don't see those character in, characteristics in as many people as I wish I did. So he's been super helpful, not just with, you know, obviously the basic understanding of, of baseball, you know, injuries and taking care of players, but also just, you know, how to act, how to care for people, how to, how to work in sports medicine and, and, and really be there for the athlete. You know, those are some of the things that you just, you can't put a value on. Yeah, man, that's so awesome to have a mentor like that to pull from. Um, before we kind of get your opinion um, on periodization, could you kind of break open to our listeners that may not understand what periodization is? Can you, do you have like a, a brief synopsis of what periodization is? Yeah, sure. So, you know, the concept of periodization is that, you know, we, you know, for baseball and using the baseball as an example, um, you know, we can even talk about, you know, throwing is, you know, a way to periodize throwing. It's not just for exercises here, but essentially it's what it, what it means is we're, we're introducing uh, new things and like new loads to the tissue or, or, or different types of exercises or throwing programs. And that you, you vary that depending on the time of year and where you are to the season. So the easiest way to think about that is if you break throwing up into some chunks, let's say like light catch, right? So like just like getting your arm loose at the beginning of the off season or something like that, right? So light catch. Then we have kind of, 
you know, that phase where you're stretching out, you know, sort of like a, let's call it a long toss phase maybe. And then maybe you even have like a, you know, a performance enhancement phase, you know, depending on, you know, if you're old enough or whatever your goals may be and you're actually doing that. But then you have your, your bullpen phase and then you have your live BP phase and then you actually have your actual game phase, those types of things. The way we would periodize throwing there is, for example, like we wouldn't do an aggressive velocity-based program in season because the stress that we're worried about more than anything else is the stress of the game. So the concept of periodization is that things come and go like over the course of the calendar so that way we can we can say like all right we're going to play some light catch and now we're going to start long tossing but well wait a minute we can't just add weighted balls to long toss for example like something has to give a little bit or we just kind of keep adding 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 so you periodize that by saying okay like all right now we've gotten to a certain point let's cut this back a little bit and let's start ramping this up a little bit that makes sense so that's how we do it for throwing like with like strength and conditioning it's about you know what we focus on maybe at the beginning of the off season you're working on you know your basic movement patterns and then you know you ramp that up you're working on strength you're working on power you're working on speed and you would kind of you would you would introduce those variables at different points and not just keep adding to the plate or you're just going to overload does that make sense Absolutely. No, thanks for unwrapping that for us. And so digging a little deeper into that, I'm sure this answer is going to be more loaded and it's probably going to start with a, it depends, but you know, what, do you find any value in periodization when it comes to the weight room or if it comes to things on the field as well? Um, And, you know, what's kind of your take on that? Absolutely. I mean, any program we ever build for someone is going to have periodization in it, right? So, you know, again, even if you just break it into like the most basic macro cycles and you say you have in-season, you have off-season, and you have pre-season, right? Just think about it. Your throwing is going to be different for each of those buckets, right? And your strength and conditioning is going to be different from those buckets. Your, your in-season strength program is going to look a lot different than your, your early off-season, which is going to look different from your pre-season, right? So, you know, this is where you start, you know, realizing that there's a science behind all this. It's not just throwing a ball. It's not just picking up a weight, but we have to, we have to you know, modify that depending on your goal and the timing and, and where you are in that, that prep phase to get ready for the next season. Awesome. Talking about those different variations, I was watching one of your podcast videos that you talked about weighted balls. Um, you know, weighted ball programs are considered by many as the best way to gain velocity. However, some would say that they pre- may present possibility of fatigue and injury. What is your opinion on weighted balls and variation training? Well, man, I would hope nobody really thinks weighted balls are the best way to gain velocity. They're a way to gain velocity, but man, if, if you really think it's the best, then I think we gotta we gotta go down to the science and talk about a little bit of, of what's going on. So mm-hmm. I can give you like ten, twelve things that you need to do to enhance velocity that or that you could do to enhance your velocity. And it's certainly hard to say that one is the best, especially weighted balls. And we'll get into that and why. But you know, the way I always break up kind of, you know, performance enhancement for velocity and this will lead into the weighted balls, is you know, there's four main buckets that you have to fill to reach your full potential for, let's just say velocity, but this is also just pitching performance too, right? But, you know, for velocity, there's four buckets. Your first bucket is age and maturity, right? And that's something you can't, you can't rush. It just, it just is what it is. So how about this? The, the standard deviation for maturation, right, is plus or minus two years. 
And what that means is if you grab some 16U baseball team right now, you're going to have some of the kids that look like 14-year-olds and some of the kids that look like 18-year-olds. Right? Mm-hmm. We've all seen that, right? And, that's, and guess which one's more talented, right? The kid that just has blossomed earlier, right? We kind of, I think we all see that a little bit. So the first step you got to think is, is age and maturity. So that 16-year-old that looks like a 14-year-old, well, he doesn't have the age and maturity to, to have those velocity gains yet. That's, man, that is your foundation. If you don't have that, trying to force your velocity, I mean, that's not going to go well because your, your body's just not, not ready for it. So how about this? A couple of stats that I always tell. I think this one's interesting. For each year you age, your velocity goes up about, I think it's about 1.2 miles per hour. Right, mm-hmm. and for each inch you grow, your velocity goes up 1.5 miles an hour. Right, mm-hmm. so think about that. If you go, you get a four-inch growth spurt over a year or two, and your velo goes up eight miles an hour. Your pitching coach is doing cartwheels, right? It was definitely him, right? <laughs> right, but but in in retrospect, that's just age and maturation. So for me, that's the foundation, and I'll, I'll we'll kind of keep jumping back a little bit here. But like, why on earth would you do? an aggressive velocity program on that person that's not physically ready for it, that's putting the cart before the horse, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's bucket number one, age and maturation, really, like how, how physically developed you are. Bucket number two is strength and condition. And I can show you dozens of research articles that show things like core programs, lower body workouts, power programs that use things like, you know, med balls, rotational throws, like those sorts of things, um, can all enhance velocity from anywhere from 2 to, you know, 15, 20%, right, by just getting the appropriate strength and conditioning. So now you can see we're starting to layer it, right? So you need to be physically mature, and then you have to layer that with the proper foundation of strength and conditioning, right? And what does that look like? Well, think about it. What are all the greatest baseball pitchers you can think of? What do they all look like? And maybe I'll lead you a little bit here, but I'll ask you guys, what do uh, Roger Clemens, John Lester, and Kerry Wood, we'll just leave it at those guys. I may be dating myself a little bit here, but like, what, what, what do those guys all have in common? Um, I, I think, yeah. Side. I was gonna say size, and then also to their all their legs are massive. I'm thinking off the top of my head. Bingo! They all have huge butts, right? Mm-hmm. They they all have a really challenging time buying a pair of jeans. That's what they have, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so that's so those guys. It's all about legs, right? So we break it down real simple, and it's way more complicated than this. But for the the listeners, think about this: your legs develop the power, your core transfers the power. And then your arm has to dissipate that power. And you, mm-hmm. you have to really work on those three chunks. Those are, those are a big deal for that. So that leads me to our third bucket, right? So first bucket's like age and maturity, just physical development. Second bucket, strength and conditioning. Our third bucket is arm care, right? So this is like a bulletproof, mm-hmm. like rotator cuff, scap program, and not just strength, but also like a good amount of dynamic stability, just being able to really hold that ball and socket together. Because I always tell the kids, this is like our first lesson we talk about when we get a new kid in. We say like, hey, so they always say, well, why does my arm hurt, right? Even the big league guys would say that. That was always like, that was a joke we had in the clubhouse all the time. Like Josh Becker would come in every day. You know, he'd have that Texas accent and be like, Mike, why does my arm hurt every day, right? And I'm like, well, I think it's because you throw baseball for a living, Josh. I think that's definitively it, right? It's, there's nothing else. It's, you know, so we always tell the kids, throwing a baseball is bad for you. Mm-hmm. And once you, once you get that, then everything makes sense, right? Why would your velocity be, program be built on that as the foundation if that's also the thing that hurts you? So mm-hmm. we know that. The, the, 
the number one thing we continue to show that leads to injuries more than anything else is overuse. And the more you throw, the more you get hurt, right? Mm-hmm. So if you, th- if you pitch for more than eight months out of, the season, out of the year, you're five times more likely to get injured. And that's astronomical. Wow. Yeah. Like that's not just like, like oh, you have, you have like a, you know, a 10% more chance. No, you have a 500% greater chance of getting injured if you pitch more than eight months out of the year, Crazy. right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so it, it just comes down to overuse. So throwing a baseball bad for you, it just, it's little things. We always say, like, when your arm's at full layback and it comes forward to ball release, that happens at anywhere between seven and 10,000 degrees per second, right? So I'll bring you yeah. through what I, what I do with the kids. So I'll ask you guys, how many degrees are in a circle? 360. When I put you on the spot, everybody always does that. It's funny. So, so there's 360 degrees in a circle. So in literally one second, it would go 10,000 degrees in Jeez. one second. So your Jeez. arm would spin around in a circle about 20 times. It can go all the way in one second. That's how fast it's, it's going. And then when you get to ball release, I know it's crazy, right? When you get to ball release, your arm's trying to fly off your body, right? Just some trips of the force, right? It's just trying to fly off your body at one time your body weight, right? So if you weigh, you know, 200 pounds, that's like grabbing a 200-pound dumbbell and just dropping it, right? And you have to, like, you have to catch that, like, with your arm every throw, Wow. right? So, but once you know that, you say, like, okay, well, we got to get our rotator cuff. We got to get our scap. We got to get those super strong because, again, the legs develop, the core transfers, and then the arm has to dissipate all that force or it's just not going to go well. If you have any leak in that chain, you're going to run into problems. Right. So most kids have never heard of an arm care program. Right. They haven't done anything like that. They don't. They're certainly not doing those things. And, you know, even the ones that are doing some like, you know, like, you know, like the tubing programs and stuff like that, they're usually not enough. Like you don't you don't get strong from tubing. Right. It's like a good warm up, good activation Mm -hmm. thing. You don't you don't get strong from it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that leads us to our fourth bucket. So I'm going to give you a really long answer for this question. But Mm -hmm. our fourth bucket is then finally thrown. Right. And in throwing, you know, again, the basis of throwing is good mechanics, because if you have bad mechanics, that's essentially, you know, the concept of like your car being out of alignment and your, you know, your, your, your wheels wear down at a, you know, a different pace. It's the same if you have bad mechanics, it's just going to take an act of throwing that's already bad for you and just make it worse for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So you got to have good mechanics. You got to do that first. But again, now imagine that the last thing down on the road we're going to talk about is now stuff like long tossing weighted ball programs and actually pushing velocity. Do you see how that's last on the road? And mm-hmm. I always say, like, if, if we're focusing on that first, one, they have no chance, right? Because they don't have the maturation. They don't have the base of strength and conditioning. They don't have the arm care program to be able to stabilize that, and they don't have good mechanics. Why would you make them throw further? Why would you make them throw a heavier or lighter ball? Right. Yeah. Like, so it's, you have to, you know, if, if you're doing it that way, it's like you're frosting the cake before you bake it. Mm-hmm. But what does every kid do? They Google how to in, increase velocity and they find weighted balls and a velo program. And mm-hmm. that's why in my mind, um, you know, my business is thriving, unfortunately. Right. I, I make money off rehabbing injured baseball players. and <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather not, but they, yeah. you know, they, it's just, that's kind of the nature of it. So that's kind of where it goes into play now. So if you don't mind me continuing to just ramble here, the, 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 so here's where weighted balls fits in. So 
we just finished three studies. So we're really the first people to really start studying this. We've known for decades that weighted balls are effective at increasing velocity. So again, to answer your question, is it the best way? Hopefully, after listening to me ramble for 10 minutes, you don't <laughs> think it's the, be the best way anymore. It's a way, a right? Way. So with weighted balls, we've known that it's effective, right? And we've shown that. You know, your velo goes up about 4%, right? It's not like, it's not like groundbreaking, right? But it, it could be a big deal, right? So here's what we did. We wanted to decide, like, all right, why does velo go up and what's happening in the body? And we did, like, a few things. So one of the first studies, so Dr. Glenn Fleissig with ASMI kind of published it and looked at, you know, some of the, the bases behind it. They essentially found that, you know, your mechanics don't really change. Um, you know, so your arm speed doesn't change, your mechanics don't change, nothing really, nothing happens from that, you know. So we just, he just looked at the biomechanics of throwing weighted balls and just noticed, like, nothing really physically changed. Then we did a study. We looked at a six-week weighted ball program, and here's what we found. We found that the, the study group that did the training group, we compared them to a control group that did not perform weighted balls for six weeks, and they did have an increase in velocity, but they did not increase their arm speed and the control group, the kids that didn't do the program, they actually went up in rotator cuff strength just doing our programs. Mm -hmm. So you could argue that a weighted ball program actually inhibits the development of strength, and it actually certainly doesn't help with that. But here's the kicker. Over six weeks, we essentially had about a five-degree increase in the amount of layback when you're throwing. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not, that's not natural. Like they didn't just like mm -hmm. loosen up, they didn't stretch out. Like theoretically mm -hmm. something bad probably happened or they're, they're starting to lose some of the stability of their shoulder, but yeah. layback correlates to velocity mm -hmm. and layback and velocity correlates to stress and stress correlates mm -hmm. to injury. So essentially what we found, we had almost a, I think we had a 23 or 24% injury rate in our weighted ball program, wow. right? So two kids just had some pain during the program and then two kids in the following season, which we see that a lot. Like most kids mm -hmm. don't get hurt during the program. What you do is you gain velo, you gain layback, and then you throw on it. And remember, pitching is bad for you, right? We kind of, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that was like yeah. lesson one, right? Pitching bad for you. Now mm -hmm. it's even more bad for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's why it's happening. So we essentially found that long toss, once you start going past 120, 180 feet, somewhere in that range, it starts to surpass the stress that you see pitching off the mound. Same thing with weighted mm -hmm. balls. You start to surpass the stress with, with these balls. So what's happening is, is we did a great job 10 years ago telling the world, look, you can't pitch all winter. You can't throw pens all winter. You can't just do lessons all winter because if you pitch more than eight months out of the year, you have five times more injuries. So what we started doing is we started long tops and we started doing weighted balls, and they're even more stressful than pitching, mm -hmm. right? So I think that's the jam we're getting into here. We have to know that, look, they're a tool. They're a useful tool, but we have to use it in a controlled fashion. They're not appropriate for everybody, and you have to lay the foundation before you get there. So, so Mike, just so I can give you a little disclaimer here, because I'm, I'm hearing what uh, all the club ball coaches out there just heard you say. <laughs> so the disclaimer here with all that, too, is obviously as well, is it also always depends on the athlete. Let's say, again, someone might have better mechanics when they're long tossing and terrible mechanics on the mound. And maybe in that case, they have more stress when they're on the mound than they are long tossing. Uh, but in general, you're speaking more in general at this moment that you, in your studies that you 
that you've seen and read through and also conducted that that's the data that you've received, correct? Yeah, and I would say that that influence you just brought up is probably less than you think. It's, yeah. it's I think there's just one factor. It's just mm-hmm. velocity. It's just velocity. it's just how hard it's just how hard you throw. You know, yeah. it's, I, I wish I wish it was more than that, but it's physics. It's force equals mass times acceleration, and it's it just is mm-hmm. what it is. You know, yeah. the common theme people hear that you say in order to throw ninety, you have to be able to throw three hundred feet mm-hmm. is a, completely backwards. In order mm-hmm. to throw 300 feet, you have to throw 90. Okay. It's just a, phys- it's just a physics equation. So making yeah. a kid just, just force it and force it and force it, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, it, 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 that's, it's the other way around. You know, the people that can throw 300 throw 90, but it's not, it's not correlated that way. Do you know what I mean? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I, look, I would just say, look, weighted balls aren't evil. But we definitely yeah. need to get out of the, the thought that they're best and that they're they're completely safe and that they build yeah. arm strength and arm speed and help with mechanics. They don't do any of that. The only thing we've found that they do is they increase your layback, and that is potentially not good. So call a spade a spade. It is what it is. And, you know, mm-hmm. I always just think, look, there's a definitive yes and a definitive no. Right. Mm-hmm. The definitive no is a skeletally mature kid that hasn't gone through and filled up those those four buckets first. Right. Mm-hmm. They're not mature. They don't do strength and conditioning. They've never heard of an arm care program and they don't have mm-hmm. good mechanics. My yeah. Lord, please, please don't do a weight ball program. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like so they haven't done any of that. Right. The definitive mm-hmm. yes is probably like the guy that's been in AAA for six years you know, whatever, he says, you get a six-year free agent, and he's looking at maybe being released if he doesn't pick up, another, you know, another few miles per hour, and it's his last-ditch effort, and he's maximized his buckets. Then, mm-hmm. you know what? Try to push past your physiological limits and try to make a difference, and I will fully support that because that's your dream, as long as you understand the potential consequences. But, you know, mm-hmm. having, like, one coach say, we're going to do this whole program with every kid on the team, that is just not a good idea. Okay. And then, yeah, no, that's interesting perspective. Then I, I, I want to uh, ask this question as well. Do you think that, um, how about some of the recovery methods of using weighted balls? Um, again, let's say like, like drive lines, like the, the trampoline or some of the stabilization or some of the reverse throws or, you know, pivot throws or things like that. Do you think uh, pivot throws, I guess, is in a different category, but do you think that some of the recovery methods are, are positive or you think that those also can, you know, cause, you know, like, more stress as well that is is there some danger with that as well well just just remember i mean i i don't want to speak on specific programs right because you know it's yeah. not fair to the, the program that's that's doing it and stuff like that it's just uh just remember you know remember throwing's bad for you so throwing yeah. part of your recovery probably mm-hmm. not a good idea so you know what we do for recovery is you know we know what happens to baseball players from the act of throwing and because it's stressful we know that you get tight and you get tired from throwing mm-hmm. right so your, your muscles get weaker after and when they're mm-hmm. not when they're not when they're tired and they're not there it's not stabilizing and then again that 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 whole that whole issue we talked about earlier is disrupted right where their arm can't stabilize mm-hmm. right and when you're tight over time it just shows the cumulative load so recovery should be restoring your mobility and your strength and if you're using mm-hmm. throwing to recover I, I don't I think that's backwards gotcha gotcha okay yeah, I understand the perspective on that. Makes sense. So, so basic, basically, with that as well is you're kind of getting back to even in any sport, um, the 
need to have general strength and to fill those other buckets. And then throwing is more of like a specialty strength. And so before you get into overloading that last bucket, that you need to make sure that we have all those other buckets, as you would say, filled general strength, um, you know, mobility, flexibility, all these other concepts. And then, you know, use leave the specialty strength till older, more mature athletes um, that are again, like that last dish effort, um, to, to add some plus onto all those other things. Correct. Yeah. And there's definitely a gray area in the middle, but like, I get it right. Like, I mean, it'd be nice to maximize all those buckets, but there's a gray area and I get some people aren't going to fit that, but I think you just nailed it. Like, I, I think you said that, you know, just, just really well. I mean, there, you know, imagine, let me do something that's maybe a little bit more obvious. Let's say we have a basketball player, right. And he has like knee pain in front of his knee pain. I think we can all agree he's getting that knee pain because he's jumping a million times on a hardwood floor, right? Mm -hmm. That makes sense, right? So yeah. that's why he's doing it. So the, the concept would be, you know, like if we're trying to do a performance enhancement program and we're just doing jump, jumping drills, or to answer your question, his recovery program is to do more jumping drills, that doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, no, yeah, no, that makes that makes total sense, especially reverse engineering that um, and, and mixing that in. Um, so what are some what are some recovery methods uh, that you would recommend for throwing athletes? Obviously, you do a lot of that for trying to get stabilization and things like that. What are some um, ones that you use um, on a normal basis? Well, if you're fortunate enough to get to work with somebody, so, you know, you're either playing at the pro collegiate, maybe sometimes even the high school level. Um, you know, if you're fortunate to work with somebody, their role, you know, for me, we have a philosophy at our place at Champion is just simply um, every time you pick up a ball, I want you to look like you, right? And I know, again, because throwing is stressful, you're going to get tighter, you're going to lose motion. It's my job to get you to get your motion back before your next outing. So we actually have like in-season arm care programs with all like the local kids around here in the Boston area, like a ton of high school and college kids that do it. But they come in once a week, um, you know, in season after their outings. And we do stuff like soft tissue work and manual therapy stuff to, to get that range of motion back. If, if you don't have, you know, have that resource, then there's some like kind of mobility drills you can probably try on your own, like, like self-mile faster release, like lacrosse balls, foam rolling, those mm -hmm. types of things to just kind of try to maintain that, that mobility. I think that's the no-brainer right there. And then the other thing is just like a maintenance program with rotator cuff and scap strength because we know that they, you know, they go down. We know when you come out of a game, your rotator cuff strength is down almost 25%, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if you were to jump right back in or do something crazy tomorrow, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go down again. Like, so you gotta, you kind of got to book gas back in that tank before that next outing. Awesome. Okay. Love it. Love it. So Mike, one thing that um, has interested me and has always been a, a question of mine, um, I coached two years of college ball and I can only imagine being the, the, the guy that takes care of those Boston Red Sox arms day in and day out. How do you vary the recovery plan as far as starters and relievers? Because a lot of those relievers are bouncing back and throwing in 90 games a year. That, yeah, absolutely. It's the starter lifestyle is definitely a lot easier, right? It's more routine, you know, when you're throwing, I mean, even heck down to their like diet and nutrition and sleep patterns is very well scripted, right? Like mm -hmm. they know, you know, exactly what to eat three days before and how many hours of sleep to get. So the starters are like the life of luxury in baseball, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. every, every, everyone wants to be a starter on there. So, you know, with the relievers, what we do is one, we just monitor workloads, right? And just like the coaching staff would monitor workloads and say, look, you're down tonight because, you know, you've been up three out of the last four or whatever, something like, you know, you're up two or three in a row, something like that, whatever your criteria is to have a guy down. 
you know, what we would do is we almost have like a similar thing. Like our job on the sports medicine side is to get you back on the field, not to, not to keep you off it. Right. So what we would actually do is we would literally like just every day, the pitchers would come in and they'd get worked on every day. Right. And again, it goes back down to the philosophy as we talked about, but look, if you threw, if you threw last night and you come in, we just check your mobility real quick. If you're a little tight, then all right, we'll do a little soft tissue. We'll do a little mobility work, whatever it may be. Let's get that back. Right. So it was like constant monitoring of that. Right. Then the other thing we do is we do like a maintenance program like throughout the year. So relievers at the big league level with the Sox, what we did is we tried everything over the years, by the way. But what we kind of, you know, stuck to the most was we did our arm care programs, like our rotary cuff scalp, where we did it twice a week. And at first we tried to time it. Right. And we'd be like, all right, well, you know what? Well, that guy threw last night. Let's not do it today. Like, you know, that sort of thing. Let's skip it. And if we said, look, we want to get eight arm care programs in a month, twice a week for four weeks, when we tried to time it, we ended up getting like six in. And then think about it. You just lost 25% of what you thought was going to be the appropriate workload to maintain them. So we just started scripting it, and we do all our arm care stuff. We do it before the games. We do it in the daytime. We don't ever do it after the games, right? That's like, it's like running a marathon and then doing some sprints for recovery. It makes no sense, right? So mm-hmm. after the game, we just we just do some easy mobility work and some some ice, which you know again optional if you don't believe in ice, but like um, you know it's a bit real basic after the game, but twice a week. And at the big league level, it was Tuesdays and Fridays, right? You never ever ever have a Tuesday or Friday off in Major League Baseball, right? Series always starts on a Thursday or Friday, and mm-hmm. it just you never have those days off. So Tuesday and Friday routine. You did it at 1 o'clock when you got to the park, like before we go out for stretch, and you just stayed on a routine. So kids can emulate that, right? Like the college kids can do that. The high school kids can do that. But just get on a consistent arm care program and maintain your mobility. It's the easiest thing you can do. Absolutely. And then just wrap, wrapping up here with the last question with recovery as well. Do you believe, how about the, you know, the Mark Pros and things like that? Do you think that those are definitely, are they useful? Or are they not useful um, after throwing? Or is it a thing that you want to do in the morning like you're talking about? Or what's, what's the, the positive or negatives in that? Well, you know, so uh, electrical stimulation again, so not going for one specific device. There's a bunch mm-hmm. on the market, all different price levels. Electrical stimulation is fine, right? It does a good job. It's probably a net neutral. It's probably not, uh, you're probably not doing anything dynamic. It's, it's definitely one of those things that's a why not type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, recovery-wise, I don't think it's really been shown to do much for recovery. But, look, if you put it on, you think you feel better afterwards, then I'm all for it, right? If it has some neurophysiological uh, effect, which, you know, we haven't really proven it does, if it does, then look, I'm I'm all for it. But that's not again, that's not your that's not your your bread and butter. It's not your cake, right? If you're saying, well, I'm doing this, so I'm all set. I'm gonna have a six pack of beer tonight and eat a donut, right? And you're you're, you're kind of you get you getting it all backwards, right? Like so, that's definitely the like electrical stimulation devices are definitely cherries on top. But they're, you know, they don't, they don't get your mobility back. They don't, they don't get your strength back. They, it's kind of just more, uh, most of them are more of like uh, neuromodulation than they actually are, you know, doing something on the inside. But so, um, I'd do it. I'd definitely say do it. I just, you know, but don't think that it's, it's magical. So, so Mike, what you're, what you're saying is the Sunday league approach to recovery is just not going to work. The donuts and the beer is just, <laughs> I thought that was the answer. <laughs> well, it'll work if you only play on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. <laughs>
That's awesome. Well, Mike, it's a lot of great information you gave to us. I think it'll be valuable to our listeners. If any of them would like to reach out and get in contact with you about anything you've uh, covered today, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, kind of my, my main hub is my website, it's just MikeReinold.com, just my name. Um, that's kind of my, my main hub and, you know, all my social medias are, you know, built around that. I'm on pretty much everything. Um, uh, but you know, it also started about a year, year and a half ago. We started a, a website called EliteBaseballPerformance.com, And that's kind of, we're trying to get a bunch of like-minded individuals that, you know, want to learn, you know, you know, the real things and want to have like an unbiased, trustworthy you know, p- place that you can go to actually get, get the good information and not worry about, you know, bias from marketing or selling, you know, a product that's, you know, specifically, you know, tied into, you know, what they're, what they're teaching, those sorts of things. So, you know, we started that as a place for players, coaches, you know, strength, professionals rehab people they kind of know it's just like a nice trustworthy spot so i think your crowd would really you know kind of like the content on there you know we're really you know we're continuing to build it out and kind of grow it so you know those are those are probably the main two spots i would say you can find it hey well mike we appreciate you having on and again everything that you've given to all of us you've given us much more time you know than uh we we told you we were going to hold you for so we really appreciate it yeah, no, no, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Sorry for rambling a little bit. But, <laughs> um, you know, um, you know, I'm passionate about this stuff. But look, I just, I just, you know, if I can help get the science, the data out there, like, you know, you guys can apply it however you want. But you know, this is some of what we found of, you know, the science behind these things. So, you know, you know, thanks for your guys' efforts for, you know, helping to, you know, push this game forward and everybody forward. You know, and and really appreciate you having me on the show. Thanks so much. Thanks, thanks Mike. Mike. Wow, man, that's so much information that we're going to pull from that. We can apply that to us and learn from. This call takeaway is sponsored by Quality at Bats. Don't forget to visit qualityatbats.com to further your mental approach to the game. Mike gave some great information and statistics on arm care and strength and conditioning. What was your biggest takeaway, Joey? I think it really came back to, you know, it's not about who's right. It's definitely about what's right. And we all take, you know, we all have the same mission. We want what's best for our players. Um, and we need to continue to follow the science here. You know, there, this isn't, you know, the end all be all. This isn't the last discussion we're going to have about arm care. Weighted ball has been thrown around for the last couple of years and continue, you know, to still be, you know, an arm care period continues to be discussed. We're, we're I think as one thing that Mike said to us offline, you know, we're all a lot wrong and a little right. And if we take that approach to it, you know, we just need to continue to keep growing and stretching ourselves and continuing to follow science um, as we move forward. So uh, what was yours, Bo? Yeah, I think that mindset will definitely bridge the gap. Um, for me, the biggest thing was maturity, strength, and stability, the foundational pieces to velocity and arm care. Seems like today there's so many people that are looking for a quick fix to gain a couple ticks on the radar gun. And when it comes down to it, there's really no secret and people are hurting themselves at a higher rate to, you know, try to gain that velocity where I think the shift needs to focus to a more balanced approach to arm care and velocity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, you know, again, on social media, great time to share this with any, any coach that maybe continue the discussion that you guys were already having um, share it with any younger coach. Maybe they, again, this is a great thing. Maybe they've been all about weighted balls. Maybe they're all, you know, far to the right, far to the left, whatever they are, this might be a great episode kind of, counter argument or start a discussion really just start a discussion so this is a great one to share make sure to share and rate us on itunes also guys as bo mentioned in the beginning of the show don't forget about our, our t-shirt sale we got going on for opening day we're gonna guys it's dropping down to 16.99 and free shipping man that's 20 percent off and all you have to do is enter 
SPRING, all caps, 18. SPRING, 18, all caps. Um, and just visit our website, thesystem.farm, and check that out there. Also, guys, we have resources on there. Um, we're going to start some program here soon. We're going to have some more information, some things coming out for you guys soon to come. So stay tuned for all of that. But until next time, Farm System out. Ah!